0: Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Hello, everyone. Today, we're talking about what work stories look like when you're starting off in the workforce. How does racism and sexism show up when you're working in restaurants, cafes, and grocery stores? How does it show up when you're securing your first professional job? Let's hear from Stephanie, a general Zer who's already got some stories to tell. Hello, Stephanie. (laughs) Hi, Joy. It's so good to talk to you today. I have been having a lot of little side conversations with folks about the importance of telling like stories from all generations. And when you reached out, I was like, this is perfect because I, I didn't know if anybody from Gen Z would have like a story that they'd want to tell. Um, I don't know. I just think sometimes it takes a while to process things that happen, and oftentimes it might take a decade, too, maybe. So, <laughs> so um, I think this is like a, a angle that I think a lot of people would be interested in, right? Like, you know, if you're 45 years old and you've kind of seen a few things, you kind of know what to expect when you go into a workplace. But when you're young, you know, you're really excited and when things like this happen it can really like burst your bubble early on
1: (laughs) definitely it can take you off guard when like these situations happen yeah but i'm super excited to share my story and hopefully more people can like kind of resonate with it and realize that this is happening to all of us like it's kind of like it's literally happening all the time and we're just not realizing what it is
0: right the great unifier (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Community right. Trauma. Like, sadly. Um okay, so let's start off by just telling our audience a little bit about you. Um so yeah, we get an idea of your life.
1: Um I just graduated from college and I moved to a new city in the middle of the pandemic. So I was just like straight out the gate looking for a job and trying all these different things, like tr- all these different side hustles, trying to figure out how to, you know, you know, make it in the city where I didn't really have all the connections. I didn't really, um, yeah, I didn't like have any of my school support system because I was finishing it all online. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I moved, um, out to LA, it was just really, really difficult to get my foot in the door in any industry. Yeah. And so I've been like job hunting since like, as long as I can remember, I've been <laughs> applying to jobs. Like it's my job and it's, it's just been really, really, um, really hard, but I finally got a job and I love it. I started working I think a couple of weeks ago, but my first day was just really, really shocking. And something really crazy happened to me with like racial profiling and the security guard at that at that job yeah but it's it, the issue has been resolved and like my boss was just super understanding about it which is why I think I'm so comfortable talking about it like it's not this huge thing that I have to heal from because I was validated my experience was validated by my by the people around me right so um yeah, yeah that's why I think I can talk about it so easily
0: yeah so okay first off was this experience the first time you had ever felt profiled at a job Um,
1: It wasn't the first time, but it was definitely the most, like, overt time. Like, other times it was like, okay, like, I would have a job and... My name is Stephanie, but I would get called Jackie all the time. And I never understood why. Oh, mm-hmm. Finally, after months <laughs> of working there, I finally got a shift at the same time as Jackie. And I met her and it was the only other Black girl who oh, worked at that God. store. So it was just like, oh, I get why I'm getting called Jackie now. And these were my supervisors. These are people who did my paperwork. Like, mm-hmm. how do you not know my name? You've seen my social security card. I, <laughs> I just don't understand.
0: Right?
1: Yeah, That story so is it was so
0: just- common. And I think when white people um, particularly hear the story, it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Because it's like, oh, I just got mixed up or like they don't get the root of where it's coming from in their own, you know, prejudice. And then also, I don't think they're really grasping how it feels. It's sad to be like, you haven't distinguished my personality from anyone else's here. Like, I'm not important enough to learn to know, to even be able to like look at in the eyes so you can tell the difference between my face and someone else's. Um, it's just yeah. Right. It's, it's like it's
1: these are the kinds of microaggressions that just get swept under the rug. Yeah. And it's like it's just like a little bit dehumanizing mm-hmm. every like time that you're at work being like completely dismissed. And for the longest time I didn't understand it because I didn't meet the girl and knowing that I was the like I thought I was the only black girl who worked there. Oh, and then wow. finally meeting her was like this moment of solidarity. And guess what? They called her Stephanie all the time. Oh, so wow. it was just it's really, really sad that we were just we were an archetype at that store. We were like a a collective being because of this. Yeah. And that's just really dehumanizing.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't make that work experience great when you feel like the people there don't really value you. Exactly. Well, all right. Tell us about, you know, this latest experience, what kind of job or place is this?
1: Well, this is like, I guess it's in the, um, like, A fashion district Mm -hmm. and it's pretty bougie it's a little upscale but um so it's like in this like a mall situation and there is obviously like a mall guard Mm -hmm. walking around the stores loitering I guess that's his job and um this was like the first time I ever work there. I was just doing this uh, small gig for uh, my sister's friend who just needed someone to get delivery boxes shipped in, sit in this empty office and just get a bunch of deliveries shipped in. So it was like going to be a really straightforward job. I was not even supposed to like talk to anyone. Like she showed me how to get the key and everything, but I was like opening the storefront basically. Mm-hmm. And this security officer um, who's like... <sighs> really for some reason really angry at me it says that i can't be doing this he's like no you can't do this you're not supposed to be here i don't know you i've never seen you here so you can't be working here and i'm like no actually i do work here i'm doing this job this is my first time here um, this position obviously turned into a full-time position and I'm working there, but this was my first time there and I I had never seen him before. So he just, I guess he knows every single employee in this entire mall and he just th- was not having it. So he starts wagging his finger in my face and starts saying that he's going to call the cops on me. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to open the door. And once I open the door, I can show you that I have like, you know, the key and the authorization to be here. And yeah. he just starts yelling at me and saying that he's going to call the cops. And I start getting really scared and start like kind of raising my voice so that someone can hear what's going on. Mm -hmm. And luckily the, um, the store right next door, this girl comes out and she starts talking to him and she's like, Hey, what are you, why are you harassing her? What's going on? Like she starts mediating. This white woman starts mediating between me and this police, this not even police officer, this is security mall cop. And, and she starts like she distracts him that's all she does she keeps his attention long enough for me to open the store and i go in and i i get all the the authentication to show that i'm i'm supposed to be here i get like the 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 key and the the master lock mm-hmm. and finally he realizes that no i'm actually here to work i'm not trying to rob the place like that that switch happens in him yeah. and he's like oh okay and it's just, it, it was kind of embarrassing to have to have um, like a white ally vouch for me to, to be able to do my job. Right. It was really scary when he started threatening the police on me because obviously I am a Black person and I know what that, that threat means. Mm-hmm. And it was just really, really insulting to for him not to think that I was here to work. There were so many people around. There were so many people walking in and out of stores, doing all sorts of things, being busybodies. And I was not like, this was at 1 p.m. on like a Monday. Mm-hmm. I was dressed in these cute little overalls and I had my hair in buns. Like, why do you think I'm here to steal? Like, what about my appearance other than my skin color? Yeah, right. Has any indication that I'm here to steal something from this empty storefront? Because it was an office store where I was going to be getting the deliveries. Like, it's it was literally nonsensical to profile me that way. Yeah. Like, everything was pointing to the fact that this person... Is here for a job. Like I had a little tote bag. Like mm. what was what was going through his head that I was going to rob this place? That I was not supposed to be here for some reason. And it was just really like hard to, for me to understand because all of like the signs, at least to me, just showed that I had legitimacy over like, you know, taking up the space and being here and trying to do this job. Mm. And it was just really ridiculous. So, um, as it was happening, I got on the phone with my sister and she, she contacted the, the owner of the store. And it was just really like good to have this chain of people validating my experience being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Um, are you okay? Like, what can I do? Um, and Mm -hmm. after I, I got in the store and I started doing my job for a little while, like about an hour in the, the girl from next door the one who helped me out, the mediator. Um, She came in and she brought me some snacks and some food and some water. And she was like, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That was really, really horrible. This guy is awful. And it was just having that happen right after what had happened just made it feel like, okay, this is not personal. It's not personal. It's racism. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, you know? Bigger than you. And it's bigger than me. And- it, it was just really nice to have that that um, that community of people validating my experience, validating that traumatic thing that happened and being like, no, this is wrong. This guy is awful. Yeah. And um, my boss did end up like yelling at him and yelling at his boss. And it was this whole chain of events. Like every time this man sees me now when I'm going to work, he is just like so like fake nice to me. Uh. It's like I just... Try to avoid it so much because I like it's like I know what your initial reaction of me is, and like that's just it's not something that I can just forget. Even though you treat me well now, because you got yelled at about it, like, yeah, it's just, you can't come I can't. I just want, yeah, exactly. I just want him to leave me alone. I just want him to pretend he does not know me. Mind your business, and I will mind mine. And that's I just want distance from all of the situation. It's a part of my workspace now, and it's just really wow. it's it's hard.
0: I am so sorry. This is like. Making me so upset, just you you saying it. One, because you should not even have to justify why he would wouldn't think that you were robbing the place. It literally doesn't matter what you have on, you know, or like how you right. your plants, like, what time of day it is. Like just because if you were white, that just wouldn't be the case. You could like come in there with raggedy happen. in the middle of the night, and they'd probably let you in themselves. So like just the just the instinct that you had to justify why he shouldn't have thought about it is the instinct that a lot of us have when something happens to say like but I'm dressed like this like the way that you know you have deemed acceptable in our society and my hair is like this it's not too wild and crazy you know like we say stuff like that um yeah I'm like placating myself to like like even though I'm the person who
1: should be it, it, like, he has to hold accountability for what he, his actions did. Yeah. Like, I'm placating myself in this situation. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're
0: so right. Yeah. And the fact that you have to go there every day and be re-stimulated um, about that incident because they should have fired him. That's just, like, what should happen. Um, when that those kind of incidents happen, and we see that those things are happening at Google and these, like, other big corporations as well, right? Like, this is a common story with security everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the first line of defense should have been that they just fire him
1: absolutely I, I definitely meant. think that they were there's not enough accountability that it has happened but i was just really happy that my my employer did vouch for me and yeah. did take it there and i i don't know how much uh, power she personally has over the hiring of the small yeah. very little i'm sure yeah, yeah. but i i just feel like in like a bigger I guess in different jobs that I've had that's that's been like in bigger corporations like this would not have happened like they would not have vouched for me in that situation Mm like I know that I like even the little amount of respect that I got from like vindication that I got was a lot
0: yeah it felt like a lot yeah because what people will try to do when they say they're supporting you is say oh my god I'm so sorry that happened maybe next time you should Mm -hmm. come with your badge out or maybe, you know, they'll try to like, you know, give you solutions, mm-hmm. but it's like, sometimes we, we don't need anyone to play devil's advocate. Like what happened was wrong. There's nothing differently I could have done to not be profiled cause, unless I took my skin off my body. Um, So <laughs> let's not make excuses Literally. for this person. Um, And so that's like this backhanded support that I think people try to lend. And it's, it's useless. Absolutely. So I'm glad. I've that- had so many friends
1: that tell me like when I've had experiences and I share with them, like white friends that tell me, Oh, well maybe you should just dress more professional at the job or, mm-hmm. Maybe you should do this and this with your hair. And it's like, well, do you do these things when you're at your job? Do you do these things? Mm -hmm. And you don't feel the needs to conform yourself this way. Why should I? So it's just like,
0: yeah, it's it's a form of gaslighting, honestly. Mm -hmm. And like what a privilege it is to be able to walk into any space the way you want to. However, you feel that mm-hmm. day and just like not think about it and not have to agonize and strategize over, okay, so I'm going for this interview or I'm going for this, I'm going for that. Like, how do I want to be perceived? We have to do that to go to the freaking mall. <laughs> so absolutely. So absolutely. I'm I'm really uh sorry this happened, but like I don't know. What do you think? How do you think this experience is gonna impact your future. You know, you've got a lot more years of working. Um, and unfortunately, you probably will have more experiences. Um, they'll be different. They'll look different. You'll be in different, um, you know, jobs, roles, but you probably will have more. I mean, how does this change the way that you operate going forward?
1: I definitely, um, I didn't expect myself to react that way, but i um, I think I'm very proud of the way I handled the situation. I was not apologetic to this man. Um, I was not like appeasing to him. I was not trying, I was trying to convince him that I belonged there because th- I did. But I don't, I never apologized for that. And it was just, I think that being able to say, no, actually, I do belong here and you're being ridiculous is kind of not something I expected myself to stay in situations like that and i think that the way to handle these kinds of situations in the future is really just gut instincts because i i I don't know what i'm going to do Mm. when these kinds of things happen and i don't know what kind of form microaggressions are going to take in the workplace in the future because it's just like i don't know it's just so subtle these days and Mm. it's just like the ways that we're we're being like held back it's just very subtle that it's it's hard to to predict how 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 to roll with the punches you know
0: yeah do you feel like this is something you're like when you're in this job and you have to go to this location and see this guy do you think it's there's ever going to be a point where it just doesn't affect you you walk right in and you start the day
1: well, I actually, so I take public transport to get to this job. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get there a little bit early because I, I like to give myself a lot of buffer time. Mm-hmm. So when I get there early, I like sit on the bench and read my book. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat at this bench, I went to the coffee shop and I got coffee and he was on his lunch break. And so he was on another bench a few like blocks down and we were both just eating. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he like, you know, the little like like the white man smile when they're like, you know what I'm trying to say?
0: <laughs> yeah. like, Why do I, know, did what did like the, I do know what you're
1: saying? I do know you know exactly what I mean. Like it's like a like a like a very neutral smile. Yeah. Um yeah. So he he did that smile just to acknowledge, you know, I know you, you know me. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of ignored him. And I just feel like that's the situation that it's going to be. And it's not particularly uncomfortable or re-traumatizing to see him. Because let me tell you how non-threatened I was by this man. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, his power and his badge and his station gave him a lot of perceived authority in his head. Mm -hmm. But I'm, okay, I'm a really, really tall person. I'm I'm five feet 11. And he was maybe like five feet. Even Mm -hmm. and so he was yelling at me and wagging his finger in my face, and I was looking down at him and being like, "No, like you're so wrong Mm -hmm. about everything." And it wasn't. I never felt like physically threatened Mm -hmm. by him, and I never felt like until when he started calling the like he started threatening the police. That part was was annoying and frustrating, but I never felt physically threatened by him or like by the altercation, because I never thought that he would even f- try to get physical with me because I am so much bigger than him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that situation probably gave me a lot of perceived power that I probably didn't actually have, Right. which I think, <laughs> like, I think that it was, it gave me like a lot of like, like I, I didn't feel as as scared as I could have been. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I can definitely move forward from this. And I'm I'm really enjoying this job, so I not I don't want to let this experience sell you that because it's just very like what I've been looking for for a very long time, and after a very long search, like I don't want to let this experience take away from the catharsis of ha- of being able to delete indeed from my phone, and you know like yeah. it's just it was such a happy time, and this experience is not going to ruin that. It's not going to change that. It's just going to be a tiny asterisk at the bottom.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that you have been able to take the power back from that situation. I think when a lot of us experience trauma, whether it's directly or, you know, in the news, right? The the collective trauma we all experienced last summer on top of the everyday. Um, Mm You know, it's really hard to compartmentalize a little bit. Like this happened and I want to acknowledge it and give it space. And... I don't want it to affect my life going forward. I want to be able to be happy Mm -hmm. and joyous and be celebratory about, you know, in your case, having employment, you know, after you've been searching for so long. (laughs) So I think that's a big message for the audience is to figure out a way and really work hard and, you know, acknowledging the things that are happening to you. But like, where do you draw the line and on you know, how much you hold on to that, how much that affects your every day, um, how much that stalls exactly. you from great opportunities. Because if you really let seeing him every day affect you, you might not be in this job a long time and you enjoy the job. So it would be sad. Right. Um, exactly.
1: I, I don't want to give him any more power than he already took yeah. from from the situation. And part of that, unfortunately, means having this like forgiveness, air quotes and putting in the past because I, I know that whatever I do, whatever I hold onto, it's just not going to change anything about the situation except from my experience with this job. Right. And it's not, it's not fair.
0: Right. right. He doesn't get that. He doesn't get to take that from you. I, I love that. Um, so when we talked briefly before, you felt like just your job search process, you know, the tools we use, we all use to find a job felt a little bit racist. Can you can you talk about that for a little bit?
1: It was just like having to well obviously like nowadays everything is online. Like the first step of the job application process for basically anywhere, even mom and pop shops, like any any kind of employment is like the first step is going to be some site, sort of site. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Indeed, it's going to be Glassdoor or like LinkedIn. All of them, I had all of them bookmarked on my computer. I had all of them on my phone. I had literally, I was maniacally checking my emails for months, months on end. And it just felt like throwing, it just felt like throwing my cover letters and my resumes down a black void because these people will ghost you. They will ghost you and not lose any sleep over it. Like they do not care. Mm -hmm. It does not matter what part of the job application process you are in. They will ghost you. Like Mm -hmm. I I could be like applying first round. I could be one, two, three interviews into a process. I could have gone into their office and met all of their people and they will ghost you. They will not tell you that you didn't even get the job. And that's just like... How am I supposed to get closure? How am I supposed to take this like as constructive as a constructive experience yeah. to move forward mm-hmm. from? Yeah. When I I have nothing to even be like, "Oh, okay, so this is the end and now I have to start looking for something else." So then you get into this process of just throwing all of these like hooks into the ocean and hoping something lands and it's just like nothing and it's just the the way that I did end up getting a job was not even through these processes it wasn't even through all of these things that you know I guess my guidance counselors and all my my professors told me you know you have to do your cover letters you have to do the the keywords and and do all these things and it doesn't matter mm. and the reason why it doesn't matter is because before even a, a human person will see your resume before it even gets to a person it has to pass through a computer and the computer will not let me pass it simply will not let me pass like it there are so many so many barriers that like like first of all, my last name, my last name is very, very African sounding, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's just so many way, <laughs> so right? many code sure. words that just give me away that I know I'm not passing this this algorithmic purity test before I can even get to the hiring manager's desk before I even get a shot at a conversation, yeah, and it's just it's discouraging.
0: It is. And i they're all designed the same. Like most algorithms are designed with the same um, white male um, used as the standard, right? Even those systems where they like scan your face or, <laughs> or take any type mm-hmm. of readings on you, um, the entire healthcare system. Oh, just the entire healthcare system. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff is based on white male bodies as like the, the default yeah the, yeah the default so if anything is is responding differently or like you said there's keywords that they could be pulling out of your cover letter or your resume that are like mm,
1: this what? person is black this person is is female. this person is XYZ yeah. that probably doesn't prioritize them and I don't I don't understand how um, how you get around that except for you don't look for jobs there. Like, and and that's where all the jobs are posted. So I I just, it's it's, it's a trap.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it's determining, like these algorithms are determining housing. They're determining like employment. They're determining like your loans and your credit cards, like all of these things. And they all have tiny racial biases. And it's like, that adds up to just this, mess yeah oh my god i feel like the walls, are closing, st- the walls <laughs> are closing in
0: you're in the tangled. closets right now recording and the walls are like <laughs> tighter and tighter <laughs> than they already were yes it's like feels like everything around you and it makes you look around at everything we do in our society and like almost approach it from a little distrust naturally from the beginning mm-hmm. and maybe you have to do yeah. that right to be strategic because if you have the knowledge and we have no- the knowledge and there's enough research out there and shows and movies and all This stuff about um, artificial intelligence to know that it's skewed this way, we just have to be maybe try to be more strategic about the way we're getting these opportunities, if possible, right? Only if possible.
1: Uh. I think the only the only advice I would have to is to try to like meet people in person, yeah, because those are like I've heard that you're just more likely to get employed from your network, like people you actually know, Mm -hmm. than you are from these far away devices that need to link you to a person who might look at a piece of paper to maybe make a decision about you. Mm-hmm. Like the, the more we personalize the employment process, that's just the only way to get around these systemic inbuilt biases. Because I, I guess... I got through this this job through nepotism. My sister helped me find it. Like she, so it's like, I would never have gotten this job if it was posted on Indeed. I would have been seen as underqualified or maybe not even get to the employments, like to the um, hiring manager. So it, it's just, I feel like there have to be other a- avenues because these feel like you're constantly falling into dead ends and it's so demoralizing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That in-person connection is key. Um, and if people like actually see you, right, the hi- the people hiring the manager, whoever sees you and is like, oh no, I definitely don't want to hire them, like, Mm-mm. um, mm-hmm. then that's their own individual <laughs> racism and the racism of that's the company safe, playing yeah. out, which for some reason makes me feel better than a robot deciding that the company I'm applying for is already racist before that's I've right. given them a shot to show it. <laughs> But sometimes I do wonder, I know this probably sounds weird, but I do wonder what it would be like if I was like white for a day and could just get,
1: you know, just... That's a a whole Toni Morrison book. (laughs) It's
0: kind of like a sick sci-fi fantasy. But like, I always say the first thing I would do is go into a a bank and get a business loan. (laughs) And then we just go from there. Like all the possibilities just that you can think of in one like 24-hour period um, Mm -hmm. would be incredible. So yeah, we definitely... A business, a mortgage loan. Imagine something. Oh my god! uh, (laughs) Right, like that's really a problem for our communities. But I thank you so much for coming on here and being vulnerable and and you know sharing what happened to you. It's important for people to hear the many, 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 many different ways. Um, you know that we feel threatened at work, around work, trying to get to work and trying to get a job in the first place, right? We just want to work like everybody else here. We all want to be productive members of society um, despite what some politicians will tell you about uh, Black folks. So
1: (laughs) thank you so much for giving us the space to actually go over this like traumatic stuff and this just like awesome um,
0: like conversation to be had here. Yes. Thank you so much. A big thanks to Stephanie for sharing her story. When racist things happen, it is normal for us to try to justify them. And sometimes we even blame ourselves. We live in a society that has conditioned us to do so. But it isn't your fault. And I hope this episode was a reminder of that. If you're interested in telling your story and getting on a podcast might be a little too much for you right now, just email me at werkstories21 at gmail.com or send a message to the Work Stories Instagram together we'll figure out the best way for you to share. Have a great week.